Hello again, everyone. Welcome back to IntelliKey Leadership Stories. Kirsten, it's good to be with you again. Oh, so excited. We've got a great episode for you today as we explore another life of a conscious leader and another business that's thinking about the world and sustainability and even an angle of ecotourism. So our travels take us to Mount Ida, Arkansas today, and we're going to be talking with Richard Winger. And I'm so excited to speak to Richard. I had the pleasure of meeting him when my children and I were in Arkansas. So this is going to be a great show today. Welcome to IntelliKey Leadership Stories. Here's your host, Kirsten Gouldy and Mark Stenson. Yeah, Richard Wegner is the owner of Wegner Crystal Mines in Mount Ida, Arkansas. Tell us a little bit more about the business, Richard, and uh, how you started it. I discovered this area back in 1979, you know, as a poor college student, uh, had some time for spring break, and I ended up at Lake Washita. It's about 10 miles from here. It turns out to be really pristine, beautiful, environmental space and it really was very profound experience for me that's how i discovered the area left my heart here when i went back to illinois it's like okay well how can i get back to arkansas and you know make a niche make my life there and that was my pursuit from that point on you know mining for crystals is actually quite controversial if you were to look through Africa and some of the other areas. And one of the draws for me to you when we were speaking is your clear commitment to the environment and to the earth and some of the more sacred principles of life. My education was in uh, horticulture. I had this vision that I would build greenhouses and propagate and create business and an income that way. And I found out that with all the chemicals that are used, that it wasn't suitable for me. So I really searched for other lifestyles. And I was fortunate to have the opportunity to move here. Um, one of the local people mentored me. His name was Willis Greeson. He provided this land that I live on, a couple hundred acres. I, when I came here, it, was, it hadn't been loved and, and appreciated in a long time. So I thought, well, I had the opportunity to have a blank slate. And while I was trying to channel, <laughs> understand what, what my calling was here, I found crystals on my land. And I thought, wow, how beautiful these are. It turns out the areas I had found were from back in the days of the people that were before me that homesteaded here. And they were digging around and finding these sparkly crystals that they could sell to the tourists as a source of income. Well, I thought that was just fascinating, and it was so different than, you know, what I had in mind. So I started consulting with folks, people in the business around here. I consulted with uh, some of the Native Americans that were kind to take me under their wing. And they advised me that this is a very pristine, sacred area, and that I should be really careful about what I do that it could be some repercussions for me if I, if I didn't make the right choices. So I took it very seriously, and long story short, I developed kind of a, a green plan for my life, for my business. I've been pursuing that ever since. Got a real clear vision of trying to um, work with Mother Nature, you know, and, and create a harmonious relationship. And mining, like you said, has a very bad reputation for being destructive to the environment. So we started off planting a couple hundred thousand trees and, and then 
building ponds for erosion control and such as that so that we wouldn't affect the water and we wouldn't affect the environment here detrimentally. And the Native Americans have really interesting philosophy about taking from nature. They believe that everything is here in divine order and balance. And if we take what we need and not more, then we'll always have abundance. But we have to remember to give back as much or more than what we take. We love these conversations about reaching your full potential, both on a you know, personal level, what is our soul's purpose, but also maybe in a business and a cause kind of a way on how we reach our full potential in that area too. And our guest today is Gigi Staffney. Oh, thank you, Mark and Kirsten. We're all three already smiling. And so this, this is a good sign <laughs> for a good discussion to come. Gigi Staffney is a faculty member at the Women's Environmental Institute. She's also an executive director of the Green Wisdom School of Natural and Botanical Medicines. And through all of this, the efforts to improve health, wellness, global sustainability, all the things about health justice, just educating us on what's right and wrong about our living in a crazy world that we are in. I really appreciate, Mark, that you said we're going to weave all of those parts together. That's definitely the approach that I take, you know, whether it's the larger precious planet that we're talking about holistically or an individual's health. Things cannot be separated off. They must be integrated in this discussion. That's mm -hmm. for sure. Mm -hmm. And where do you find people? Do we think that there's one answer and that we forget the other components when you talk about weaving this together. Are we as people often saying, I'm looking for some magic bullet, of course, we'd all like to take some magic pill to feel better, get healthier. What else is it to our mindset in approaching our health? Well, first of all, what you said is definitely happening. It especially has in the United States with polarization or identifying it, you know, giving our power away, you know, like, especially in allopathic medicine. I mean, now, for the last three to five years, the number of specialists in allopathic or conventional medicine is greater, the, the people in those specific professions are greater than like family medicine practitioners, holistic practitioners, internal medicine docs. So there totally is this direction about you know, splintering off and being really technical and linear in our directions. So when you ask the second part of your question, I answer it with a question. How can that be the complete answer? To give our power away to one individual, to look for that one medication that will fix our entire body as a cosmology. That one spiritual pathway, you know, that's going to be perfect for everyone. I don't think so. I think there are many answers and many parts to this. Gigi, I'd love to know how you even got into this. I'll talk about my path. I'm in my 60s now, and I sit back and think, wow, how did you, how did this happen? <laughs> you know, I think, sometimes I think that this is probably, some people say, was it past life, Gigi? And I said, maybe, that might be it, that might be it. But there are many influences. They're all very holistic from spending time with a great auntie who is a health food nut <laughs> and her farm as a little girl. And I was just, you know, crazy in love with that idea. I love the playing at the farm and being out in nature. Um, 
uh, I'm also a Navy brat. I spent time by large bodies of water. So water protection is a huge issue in my life, not just the plant world. And um, then, you know, just meandering, meandering, I worked in social work and the anti-violence field uh, locally and globally. I'll just say that. And at one point got very burned out in that because of systems, institutional barriers that did not seem to be working for people who are homeless, violated, experiencing trauma, adults and kids. And so I decided that prevention medicine was definitely what I wanted to do. So then I went back to school in Boulder, Colorado, and you know, a lot of things sprung forth from there. Just one thing after another, you know, amazing people, landscapes, dreams, <laughs> you know, it could be a whole book talking about our journeys and why we ended up where we ended up. But now I feel like I'm in the, I, I am a grandmother. I feel like I'm, you know, have become one of those grandmothers in the natural medicine and botanical medicine worlds as well. And it's our time. It's our time to really, as wise elders, mm -hmm. to be coming forth and speaking about what we want to see happen, some of the mistakes that we've made, and, you know, how to carry on from here, especially now. There's no waiting. Well, our guest today is the founder of a great company with a great name, Brandy DeCarly. Yeah. Hello, and thank you. I'm going to start with an opening statement that on their website sums everything up. Our goal is to revolutionize local food production and enable communities around the world to grow their own nutritional food with clean technology. Such exciting stuff. Thank you. I think that actually does sum it up. That's certainly our mission statement, but it's our, it's our mantra for how we really like to proceed forward too. And I mean, the spirit of farm from a box. Um, and it, just the name itself is pretty obvious in terms of what we do. We are literally farming from a box. And I can certainly explain what that looks like. But the spirit of it is to basically just give a tool set to communities so that they can grow their own clean, nutritious, sustainably grown food. And we just want to be that connecting mechanism to make sure that people are empowered to be able to do that. If I may, I'll just describe what this box looks I would, like. I would love that. We took, a, we took a shipping container. Shipping containers are the easiest because you can just plug them in and move them and transport them and plop them back down and you've got this secured container. We took a shipping container and on the roof, we outfitted it with its own independent solar panel array so that whether we're doing farming projects that are in urban spaces or whether we're in really remote communities, there's an independent clean power source that powers the entire farm. We have different water pumping mechanisms that can connect to municipal line, connect to water pumps that are in the ground well, river, lake, whatever it so happens to be. That moves the water out through the entire field and drip irrigation lines. Drip irrigation, making sure that we're conserving this precious, precious resource of water and enabling people to be able to grow year round. Inside of the shipping container is a cold storage unit. Most people don't know that most crop loss actually happens in field because there's nowhere cool to be able to store it. I mean, we're talking upwards of 80%, which is crazy. So we've got wow. a cold storage system inside of the shipping container, and we have Wi-Fi system to make sure that people have connectivity and information access, and you can basically run the farm remotely get information off of your phone too. So we're being able to, to connect them with all kinds of information. 
So it's a bit like a Swiss army knife of food independence is the way that I always like to explain it. <laughs> yes. Well, you painted a fantastic picture. And, you know, we always give websites and things like that at the end of the show. But I, I think if uh, people wanted to really visualize this, you've got to go to farmfromabox.com right now, see the picture, and then continue to listen to us because you've got to get a picture of this thing. It's just fantastic. We love to talk about reaching your soul's full potential and this concept of entelechy and not only meeting goals, but meeting potential, which is so much bigger, isn't it, Kirsten? So much bigger. And I'm so excited with the guests that we have today and really just on the heels of everything that's happening socially here in the United States and actually globally. It's a real honor. We have a human rights activist, scientist, teacher, supports environmental rights, social rights, human rights, and is also works in education. I'm going to introduce Dallas Gugel, and we're so glad to have you here. Thank you very much. I'm very happy and honored to be here. I'm, I'm looking forward to chatting with both of you about yes. the world. I think Dallas, I mean, I love in that introduction, look at all the roles that you get to play and all the faces that you get to show the world. Where do we begin? Human rights, environment. You talk to people all over. What are you picking up as far as what people are interested in? And what are you hearing about what is going on in our world? Yeah, I have been on a lot of different calls. So I've introduced myself to a lot of different groups and a lot of different people. I'm Yankton, Dakota, assistant Wapton bands and clans. I'm a father, an uncle, a son, a neighbor, a friend, mischaracterized as Sioux for many years. We don't use that term anymore. That was a, a Western culture term and grew up on the Fort Peck, Assiniboine, and Sioux Reservation. My grandparents are, uh, one, my grandfather was Dakota and my grandmother was Assiniboine. They speak a similar dialect. And I worked for my tribe as an environmental scientist for a long time. And, and this is kind of how we introduce ourselves. We start with who we are, fathers, sons, uncles, community members, neighbors, friends. Um, then we often name our tribe, band, clan. So I've introduced myself to Zoom groups on exactly what you're doing here, is trying to find our own individual potential and how we can manifest that both in real terms, in temporal terms, and, and also in metaphysical terms or, uh, you know, because we are kind of at an existential place in our human evolution. I've been doing it around the world because I think it needs to be done at, on scale at this point, this kind of work. And so the, I've worked with groups, and, and one particular group right now has, has folks from five, six different countries. I've participated in other Zoom meetings that have had a thousand people, I think, which is the limit for Zoom. And I'm working locally as well, and often we're meeting locally on Zoom. Currently, what we're doing in, in some local groups here is just doing community organizing for safety. There are targeted groups all around the U.S. that are being targeted by the far right with the expectation that there, there could be some violence. We're trying to keep our local people here in Boise, Idaho safe. I do feel like we're carrying forward a collective consciousness and, and more importantly for most, for many of us, and you don't have to be a person inside of a, a black body or a brown body, but most of us inside of black bodies or brown bodies 
are carrying also some collective trauma, some generational trauma. And what I'm interested in trying to do is liberate both all of us from our traumas. If you, have, if you are in a body in uh, white skin, you're going to have some trauma too and some guilt. And so it's this liberation process that I think ultimately is kind of where I'm going. I'd love to hear more about that, what that means to liberate, release, find some freedom or find some reconciliation. What, what does that sound and feel like for you? I just worked with a group here in Boise at the Wasmith uh, Human Rights Center, the Wasmith Center for Human Rights. And, and we just wrote a paragraph, a three-sentence paragraph about what liberation looks like. And what that is, individuals with human sovereignty, independence, and a place where they can feel safe. And safety is a huge piece of that. Human dignity, practice of that looks like reparations. And we've had some, you know, a lot of talk about reparations, both for the country is built on a couple of very white supremacist ideologies. Um, one of them being slaves are not quite human and probably neither are the indigenous folks who lived here first because it's okay to commit genocide. We don't really need them. So there's an ethnic cleansing that this country was founded on. And then there was, uh, the, there was the idea that slaves are not quite human and, and they're more property. You know, there are some reparations that need to be done in that, in both of those categories. Not to mention, you know, Japanese Americans were put in internment camps. So we're all carrying this trauma in our bodies. And then you fold in a bigger crisis that's actually more imminent, which is the climate crisis. There's a lot of trauma around that, certainly for indigenous people around the world. If you look around the world and, and look and notice who is rising up to lead in, in reparations for the climate and for, for our mother, it's indigenous people. Fires in South America, those movements that are trying to say this is, this is not okay, we can't be cutting down the rainforest. Um, those are led by indigenous folks. Fires in Australia, also again, led by indigenous folks. Water protectors at Standing Rock, some of my cousins in North and South Dakota, also led by, an indi by indigenous people. As far as taking care of our mother. So we're kind of getting off liberation piece. Let me close that out. Truth and reconciliation, I think is a big piece of that. Getting reparations, restorative justice. We need to, do, we need to start looking at some restorative justice models. And I think that that will help us as two-leggeds to come together to kind of process some of this generational collective trauma that we're all carrying in our bodies. And listeners, continue to come back to our podcast. Even in our next episode, we'll be continuing conversations about this conscious leadership and this idea that you can fulfill your own potential and achieve your own goals while doing good for the people and the planet. Kirsten, as we continue this conversation about IntelliKey, we have a sense that this is not just a key performance indicator like we tease each other about, but it really is a human potential indicator, isn't it? It really is. And it's so exciting. You know, you and I have talked about this idea of potential. Everything has a soul. A business has a soul. The earth has a soul. And even, Lynn, being in a conversation with you, that you can feel that something about the soul of what's coming 
is being elevated. There's an evolution that we're stepping into and it's being harnessed and it's exciting because it's, it's here, but we haven't quite unfolded yet exactly what it's going to look like in the future. So listeners, please join our conversation. Go to your podcast player and leave us a review or comments or ratings. We'd really appreciate it. And of course, then join us again for our next episode of IntelliKey Leadership Stories. For Kirsten Gouldy, I'm Mark Stinson, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to our second season of IntelliKey Leadership Stories. Your host is Kirsten Gouldy with co-host Mark Stinson. This podcast is produced by BSB Media. You can listen anywhere in the world, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Music, Ghana, and iHeartRadio. Subscribe now so you won't miss an episode when we begin Season 3 of IntelliKey Leadership Stories.